Good evening, everybody. It's Mario with Motorcycle Knuckle Busters, and we're back at it again. So we've got some really cool guests up ahead for you. Um, really kind of proud to have these guys. I think they have uh, wonderful and interesting stories to, to tell all of us. Uh, here's two guys that are veterans, served their country, and, uh, and, and served their country well. So my hat's off to them for their service, and as I think all of you would agree. But now they serve us in a different way, and they serve country music and the music world with, with their songs, uh, with lyrics, great arrangements. And now let me tell you what, I've seen them live with some kick-ass music. So without further ado, I want to introduce the War Hippies. What's up, brother? Hey, good evening, guys. So, you know, got to tell everybody, you know, uh, you know, obviously we tried this before. You guys were on the road. I mean, you were on a kind of an epic uh trek and i think when uh we tried to do it you guys were in, uh on your way to montana yeah we were montana from from way of galveston texas <laughs> yeah that's that's a bit of a road trip now isn't it a little bit yeah so yes. i think it per perfectly illustrates i mean you guys are so committed to your music there you are you're out on the road you're trying to do an interview you know it just shows that you know it, constantly you're confronted with difficulties out there aren't you oh yeah i mean it's it's no different than stepping off on a patrol as soon as you do murphy's out there with you and everything yeah. that can go wrong will go wrong so <laughs> just expect the worst all right <laughs> exactly so now it looks like it looks like we have a little bit different environment now so uh you guys are in your studio right now yes yeah this, okay. is, this is donnie's studio um in in nashville uh, where okay. magic happens with the music. So, so yeah. So, Donnie, you've been you've been doing that for a while. We'll we'll circle back around to, to all of that and everything. But I want to start out. I mean, I want to talk to everybody. I want them to kind of learn where you guys are from. You know, kind of get some background on you. So, Scooter, where where you were where were you raised at? Uh, I was raised in Colorado. Uh, born in Nebraska. Didn't wasn't there very long. Uh, and. Uh, we moved, we moved around a little bit, but I basically grew up in Colorado, uh, joined the Marine Corps, and then ended up in Texas, and now I've been in Nashville for about six, almost seven years. Okay. And it, uh, boy, it, even in that six or seven years, it's grown a lot, hasn't it? It's, it's crazy. I'm glad I bought my house when I did. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So now, uh, Donnie, you're from, uh, where are you from originally? I'm uh, born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Good old Skyline Chili and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. La Rosa's Pizza. <laughs> yep. Come in the studio. There's all types of Reds paraphernalia all over the place. I love going down Montgomery, and I'm hoping to get a trip down there because I haven't had any of those ribs in a while. So that's yep. uh, anybody goes to Cincinnati, they need to go there, right? Yeah, it is 100%. You know, the cool thing is about Nashville is, is that you can get Montgomery and barbecue sauce and Skyline Chili at the Kroger. So, <laughs> oh, can you really? Yeah. <laughs> that's good to know. Yeah. Now, there was. Uh, we're Cincinnati Bowler High School. There used to be a big, uh, real popular pizza place. They came out pizzas. They were like this. They were huge. I don't know if it's still there. Do you know, do you know what I'm uh, talking I, about? I, I haven't I haven't really spent any time back there in so long. I wouldn't even know. Okay. Yeah, I was just kind of curious about that. Now, you went, I mean, so you grew up in Cincinnati. You, yeah, you went to school, um, college, you know, to study uh, music in uh, Miami University, Big Bang Big Ben school, huh? Yeah, yeah. I actually went to school with Ben. We had the uh he's a year behind me. Um, so uh he he was a uh um a freshman when I was a sophomore. Um, okay. So uh he might be two years behind me, I can't remember. Um, but I, I definitely I definitely was on the field and watched him throw his very first pass in uh the NCAA. Oh, that's very cool. That's yeah. very cool. And now I mean, so I mean I talk about where you know you went on for um, college and, and further your education there, but you you were playing when you were ten years old. Is that yep. correct? Yeah, yeah, I've been playing. Uh, yes, as long as I can remember. So, how did you come? How did you end up coming to that? How, know that you know the violin and playing music was going to be you know something that you loved. Um. Well, I was, you know, always like, like any boy was, you know, grew up playing sports. Uh, I was, I was really good at baseball and you know, we we're in the little league at that time. Um, uh, but the, uh, they used to bring the orchestra program by our elementary school. And so the first time I saw it come through, they brought it into the gymnasium, uh, when I was in the fourth grade, 
I was nine and I went to my dad and I begged him if I could uh, play the violin. And he said no. And so they came back again. The, the uh, They came back again on the uh, in my fifth grade year. Um, and I begged him again. And this time he said, yeah. And he said, just give me your words. You'll learn how to play it. And uh, and I took that thing to the bathroom with me until I got a scholarship to college. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'll never forget, like, opening the case and, and, and remembering what it smelled like. And just and just being like intoxicated by it, I just could, you know it was it was I was drawn to it. That's that's really what it was. And how now that your dad looks back at that, you know what's he what's he say about all that and your accomplishments? Oh, he's he's super proud. I mean, he still busts my chops. I mean, I could be winning, I could be winning a Grammy, and he'd be asking when I'm gonna come home and cut the grass. I mean, he's just you know, <laughs> he's a Midwestern blue collar man. He don't cute. <laughs> I love it. He's super and then so. And then so now, Scooter, how about you? I mean, um, you know, living in Colorado, you know, you said you've been around a little bit, you know, being from Colorado and everything. How did you get into music yourself? So I always have been drawn to music just listening wise. Um, I've always been a big lyrical person, like really listening to what the music is saying to me. And um, I actually started off by doing like writing Western poetry. And I was on my high school rodeo team. I was a, a rough stock rider, not a very good one. I just enjoyed it. And uh, I started writing poetry and it kind of turned into song, but I'd never played an instrument before. And actually, when I joined the Marine Corps, I still had never played an instrument uh, before. And I was probably about, uh, probably like 19 years old. And there was a guy that just come to my unit and he had a cowboy hat on and he was carrying a guitar case. And so I just started talking to him and we, he became one of my best friends throughout the Marine Corps, but he showed me a few chords and kind of the same thing. I was so drawn to it that I would like literally take it to the bathroom with me. Um, I'd get up before Reveille and play for 20, 30 minutes, go eat chow and then get back and play before formation um, in the Marine Corps. And I literally had it everywhere I went and, you know, uh, my goal in the Marine Corps was I wanted to do 20 years and retire. Uh, but really, I fell in love with music and I ended up getting out because of that. But uh, yeah, I didn't learn until later. 19, 20 years old is really when I started picking it up. OK, so that's that's pretty cool. You know, I, I love hearing the stories on how, you know, I know when I was in the service, you hear other people that, you know, you find your direction, you find your calling. And sometimes it's completely unexpected. So. That's that's really cool. So tell us about, you know, I know you did tour overseas and, and some other things. So tell us about what you did in uh, the service, how you served our country. Uh, well, for myself, I was a, a scout with uh, Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion, um, 1st Marines out of Pendleton. And uh, I did a, a West Platte deployment uh, to the Middle East in 2001. And then I was in the invasion of Iraq in 2003, uh, shortly after getting back from, from Iraq is when I ended up getting out and then Donnie can tell his. Yeah. Um, well, I was in the, I was in a 216th engineer battalion with the first infantry division. Um, and I, uh, served in Iraq, uh, 2004, 2005. Okay. And so, um, so now you, you both did your time there and then, um, what was the plan afterwards? I mean, so Donnie, after you, you got done serving, what was, what was the plan and what was the direction you took then? Well, it took a, it took me a, a second, um, you know, cause the, obviously, you know, giving up a scholarship and going into the, to the army, um, to do that. But, um, obviously I've kind of refound my passion for music when I was overseas. Uh, and, uh, honestly, I, 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 spend most of my time overseas playing guitar when I had a chance to kind of pick that up and learn how to do that. Um, and, uh, but got back and, uh, took like a little hiatus, you know, chilled for a minute and then, um, actually got in and, uh, started, um, believe it or not, um, started doing the lead and worship thing at, at, at my wife's church. And then from there I got into a black gospel band called champion and we, okay. toured, we toured from 2000 and, seven to 2011 and uh, uh produced a record you know we're, we we were driving around in the champagne bullet that's what we called it it was a 2000 chrysler minivan you know <laughs> from uh from from uh ohio to new york and we ended up uh we ended up with that that 
particular project ended up with uh, two number ones on three number one records, which was pretty cool. And that was kind of how I got back into it and then transitioned from that into some other stuff and then into big country and now into this. Right. And then, I mean, and so you both, I mean, you both have had some major accomplishments along the way. And then, um, Scooter, I mean, you were, you were actually on television competing for a while and I think you made some connections there. So tell, tell folks about that and how that worked out. Yeah. I, um, I got pitched to do this show called, um, real country on the USA network. And originally it was supposed to be like a songwriter thing. Um, I'm not, I hadn't really been a big fan of like the competition singing shows. Um, but so because this was more based off of the songwriting aspect, I was like, all right, yeah, I'm down. Well, then it slowly turned into not being about that at all. And it turned into another singing competition show <laughs> and I, I almost didn't do it, but, um, I, I had met Travis Tritt uh, through Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels was, was my mentor. And um, I told Travis, I was like, man, I'm just not feeling this, this, the way the show is for me. And, and Travis looked at me and goes, man, in one night, you're going to get in front of more people than you have in the last three to five years combined. He's like, so just go out there, have fun and stop worrying about what other people think. And I was like, all right, cool. So, went did the show and it really uh one of the best things i could have done at the time because it just launched scooter brown band um into another level um and then obviously and then maintaining that relationship with travis um has has been amazing too and his family so yeah um you know i didn't win i didn't win but it was a great experience sure well and then you know ultimately when you really think about it i guess you did win Oh, you got good exposure, you make connections, you know, lasting connections. So mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, and, and Donnie, go back to you. I mean, you've done, you both have, but you've, you've written a lot of great songs, you know, and you've, you've really uh, made your impact there. So tell us about some of that. You talk about some of the number ones you guys, you know, you had early on with other people and stuff like that, but who, who have you written for? And tell us about some of those songs. Oh, was, you know, I mean, really the the, you know, the coolest accomplishments, I think, were the, were the gospel accomplishments, you know, honestly, because it was so outside of the box. Um, you know, but I've written songs for, uh, you know, uh, acapella groups like Home Free, um, written with all types of people all over town. Um, and had, uh, and Scott's actually had more success in the country world than I have. I think, he, what was your, what was your first big one? Uh, I've had a lot of cuts, but, uh, one of the first Cody Johnson, uh, cuts that he had, um, him and I co-wrote. And then, um, uh, my first like number one was with, uh, Josh Ward. Um, and then I've had cuts and then a lot of the Scooter Brown stuff, um, is all, I either wrote it myself or co-wrote it. Um, and then we, we might do like one cover an album on the, that stuff. But, uh, I just kind of like tell my own story. I would, I look at it like this. I write for myself and hope that other people like it. If they do great. Uh, I'm not writing really for anybody per se. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's, I think that's the way it should be because then it's coming from your heart, you know, and then if it, if it makes that connection, then, you know, it's special. Absolutely. And that's a wonderful thing. Now talk about co-writing stuff. Um, you know, you, you wrote, you co-wrote something with, uh, Chris Kyle, right? Yeah. Uh, so Chris was a friend of mine. Um, we were actually in a bar up in Colorado after a, uh, base camp 40, uh, elk hunt that Chris was involved in. It's an organization that, um, that I helped co-found, uh, called base camp 40 warriors in the wild. Um, it's a 501 C three nonprofit. And we were hanging out after the hunt and, uh, this guy that was the owner of the bar kept trying to sell me and Chris the bar. He thought that we were a couple of big shots and didn't realize that we were just trying to pay our bills every month like everybody else, you know? <laughs> and uh, and so we were going back and forth, you know, being a jarhead and a, and a squid. Uh, we were saying some pretty dumb stuff to each other, like, oh, we should call it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what kind of podcast this is. You know, like, uh, but, but, uh, Anyway, then Chris got quiet and he goes, man, we should call it Valor. Pay homage to our brothers and sisters that served and 
and uh, fought with Valerie. He said, because no matter if you got a medal for it or not, we all fought with Valor. And it just stuck with me. And at the time, I was living in Texas, and Chris was lived in Texas. And so we got back, and I and I hit him up, and I said, man, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on this idea of doing a song called Valor, and I'd love for you to be a part of it. So, you know, just throw me some one-liners because I'm going to take that and I'll, and I'll, and I'll write the song based around some of those things. And so he did. And um, I got about two thirds of the way through working it up uh, and I got to play, play for him once that what, what I'd had. And uh, he was murdered shortly after that. And so then his wife, Taya asked me to, to sing at the funeral and I finished the song the week of and uh, sang it at, at his funeral. And wow. so that, that ended up being the, the title track of the album that I put out um, back in 2013. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that. I mean, that's, that's amazing. You know, what a, what a story. Um, yeah. And that's true. You know, Valor is, is something that, uh, you know, I think your brothers in arms understand, you know, sometimes, you know, they, the public doesn't understand, you know, what that means to serve with valor and serve with honor. You guys both did. I want to go back and I want to talk about something else and kind of go back to to your family a little. Um, you've you've been involved with some interesting things. So you and Andy Lang uh, recently went in and uh, you brought some orphans out of the Ukraine, and uh, and you have a special connection to one of those orphans. So and. And the wonderful thing I love about this is that it's not just you. It's 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 both of you because Donnie was back here doing amazing things. So I'd love for both of you to tell us about that story and let people know about it. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you straight off the bat, um, you know, it was kind of weird because after we got back, there was so much attention um, to, to it and we weren't. It's hard to sit like when you're doing this as a living, you don't really think about the fact that somebody wants to know the story of it afterwards because of because you're in the music or entertainment business or something like this was a completely 100 percent selfish uh, act um, that I didn't I didn't realize that people were going to be really paying attention to like they did Um and the reason being like, I've got four kids. Um, my two oldest are biological and then I have two younger ones that are adopted. Um, uh, eight, 10, 13 and 15. And then we've, we hosted a little boy from Ukraine over Christmas and we've done hosting a lot with my family, um, from all over the world. And we've never really, we weren't in the idea of doing it as, adoption like we were very much hosting we're kind of done with adoption stuff my wife and i are kind of like ready to have some time to ourselves you know and and uh get the kids on out but uh this little dude just like tugged at our heart uh, my whole family and he just fit right in and so we kind of started thinking that we'd adopt and in the meantime you know this is things are starting to ramp up with russia and ukraine and so we were getting a hold of the people in Ukraine saying, hey, you know, like, why don't we just instead of sending them back right now, why don't we just hold them for a few more weeks and just see what happens? And basically the way that Ukraine came back was like, oh, Russia does this all the time. There's not going to do it. They're not. Nothing's going to happen. So send the kids back. And we did. And uh, obviously it wouldn't. But four weeks after we sent them back um, that it looked like it was, we were the, the intelligence that we were getting from, from friends and people that were uh, working over there were, were like, yeah, this is going to happen. Um, so Andy Lang, I'm talking to him about it and uh, he's a great friend of ours. And, and he was like, well, why don't we just go get him?" And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to interrupt real quick because, you know, Andy, Andy said that you said, you got a hold of him and said, let's go get him. So, you know, I've got two <laughs> conflicting stories here, but ultimately the end result was perfect. <laughs> it happened one of those ways. I don't yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, we bought plane tickets for the next day to Warsaw, Poland, and basically set up a war room over there. Donnie, honestly, we did, 
it, it, not by choice. It was just that it was such a spontaneous thing. And he found out that we were, he's like, Hey guys, like what the hell, man, I want to go too. <laughs> and so, but he ended up staying back and securing, um, uh, a, a very large sum of money, um, to help fund this mission and, and, and help get kids out. And so eventually long story short, um, we ended up helping get an entire orphanage um, out of Ukraine. And then also a mother with her two kids and her older parents that were actually in Kiev. The, um, the orphanage is about three and a half hours South of Kiev on the, on the river pushing down into the black sea. Um, and it was a great experience. You know, the, when we got them over into Poland and, bought the entire orphanage McDonald's and it was the first time that most of them ever had McDonald's. Um, sure. And, you know, uh, you know, first time they've had a hot meal in three days traveling across the country. Um, so it, it was a great experience and hopefully, hopefully these kids get to go back to, to Ukraine soon. We can't do anything with our adoption until, till he's back in Ukraine um, period. So uh, we're really hoping for an opportunity for, for that to open up. Sure. So Donnie, I mean, um, I, I know the story, I'm just not ready, but uh, you raised a large sum of money. And I, when we talked before about it, you kind of, uh, you mentioned how it was, and but it's, you got to tell folks how that one worked out. That's kind of fun. <laughs> well, <laughs> they, they, so we're, 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 you know, communicating with each other um, back and forth and, and, uh, you know, I'm just like, you know, just you were going just keep play by play, kind of staying in the loop of what's happening. You know, I'm like, you know, just always on standby. What do you need? What do you, you know, what can I do? Who can I call? What can and, um, and they're like, we need money. And I said, OK, I can do that. And so I went over uh, to uh, one of the most predominant uh, business owners in Nashville, um, Steve Smith, who owns uh, uh, Kid Rock's Honky Tonk and Tootsie's and a bunch of other things. And uh uh just you know we were sitting down at the, at the bar over at his country club um and uh just talking and said uh yeah i just briefed him on what was going on and uh he asked what it was i gave him a breakdown and he cut a check didn't ask that's, any questions wow that's and that and that's wonderful i i love people who you know Maybe they they have affluence, but you know they're willing to do right by others and stuff like that. And look at all the lives. So how many how many people total then did we get out of there? Uh, total, uh, we're looking at like fifty four. I think it was fifty four, fifty five, and that was including the the people out of in Kiev. Um, okay. She had actually all of the paperwork and all of the passports uh, for all the kids in in the orphanage and they keep those separated so that way um from what i understand is like they keep those in a completely different place so that way that there's no kind of like anything going on to where these kids can their paperwork and they just disappear into the night kind of thing like uh so we had to have all their paperwork or there are going to be a bunch of orphans in poland eventually lithuania that have no idea and nobody can verify anything from any of them. Um, so it was really important to get her and all that stuff out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. Uh, you know, we definitely looking on going back and following up on some stuff. We've kind of helped facilitate, um, uh, the building of orphanages in Western Ukraine. So that way these kids, because what I, what I saw over there was basically like, these kids were kind of almost being legally trafficked where I, I feel like yeah. some of the, the countries kind of like annex them in and there's, they, they don't have anybody to, to give them back to you yet. And so they're going into the foster systems in there and then, you know, and they're losing uh, orphanages. Like the, the caretakers of some of these orphanages are losing their kids because now, you know, these countries don't have to give them back to them. It, for any reason, really. Um, so they're trying to get that fixed. But one of the ideas that I had was, why don't we, why don't we build orphanages and safe houses in Western Ukraine? That way they can stay there. They, they have their sovereignty. And, you know, a lot of these kids are teenagers and they don't want to leave. They feel like they're leaving their countrymen behind. 
in the middle of a fight. And so it still makes them feel like proud of what they're doing and, and being Ukrainian and fighting against Russia. Um, but it also helps of keeping track of where all these kids are at and where they're going. Makes a lot of sense because I, I know some, I have some friends, special, you know, special forces guys, stuff like that, that are over there actually doing stuff where, you know, the child trafficking, human trafficking is going on. And there's a lot of it and right now in the chaos. I mean, that has created a hotbed and opportunity for these people. And, and you know, yeah. so what you're doing, you know, you're doing even not only you just, you know, saving kids, getting them out of the country, but you're giving them a place where they've got a safe landing and they can be secure. So how do people help with all this? Um, there's three organizations that we've been working with. Mm-hmm. Um, one being uh, New Horizons for Children, um, uh, Aerial Recovery Group, mm-hmm. and Operation Lightshine. Um, okay. Those were the three ones that that helped facilitate what we have going on. Um, aerial Recovery right now and uh, uh, New Horizons for Children are collabed right now on on helping to do the orphanages um and i believe that um operation light shine is still conducting um, uh, rescue missions as well so um those are three organizations that that i'm that i'm putting in the hat okay so now if there's folks on here that are watching it you know maybe they can contribute monetarily but if they can't is there other ways they can maybe contribute and help uh, you know, I mean, if you're the praying type, always that that's always great. Um, and you know, I, I think that some of them. I mean, if if you if you've done any kind of work like that, military or operator, and I mean, I, I know that they're they're probably looking for people to help facilitate stuff over there as well. So that's something that you might be able to um, donate some time by going over there for a couple weeks at a time and just helping out um I, i'm sure that that's definitely needed yeah well nothing yeah nothing beats boots on the ground that's for sure and uh and you know that firsthand from having done it so you guys uh, i want to go back to some something we talked about you guys are in studio there right mm-hmm. and uh you know so donnie tell people i mean because you know here you are you've been a touring musician you played with different people okay now there's the two of you that you know started the war hippies but you're also producing music and you've got the studio tell tell everybody about that and the work you're doing there um well i <laughs> i started producing uh in in around 2007 or so um uh, i had my my first mentor a guy named paul jones he used to be the he was uh formerly the Music supervisor at Home and Garden Television out of Knoxville, Tennessee, which is where all your uh, uh, all your HGTV and all that you know HGTV, all your Discovery Channel, all that type of stuff. A lot of that comes out of there. Um, yep. So he taught me how to build my first um, kind of MIDI studio at the house. I had an iMac and a, and a piano and two speakers, and I didn't even know how to plug a microphone in. And uh, I did that, and just did a bunch of background music for for stuff and. Uh, um, it's really funny. Um, the very first thing I ever got on TV, uh, I did a rendition of uh, um, Dixie on a show called You Don't Know Dixie, and Charlie Daniels was narrating it. And the, uh, That's awesome. <laughs> so that was the first. That's the first thing I ever uh, uh, got on the TV. But then did a bunch of that stuff, and then um, I kind of evolved over the years as I. Um, as, as my career advanced and, 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 you know, and developed and I got to work with, and I started to work with, with higher levels of talent and, and touring. And, uh, and so I, I, I built the studio at the house, the house, the studio at the house, you know, um, evolved into, uh, my first project studio. So I got my first, you know, kind of console control surface and, and, uh, and my mic pre's and I was actually recording drums and stuff and it was, it was fun. And then, uh, I, uh, was was wrapping up touring with the uh, with the frontman of country. Uh, we had just finished uh, uh, the Make America Great Again ceremony, um, and uh, one of my friends uh, had asked if uh, and I I was we were back in Nashville and he said, "We come look at this building for me." Um, uh, it's a uh, um, he was building a chiropractic office. He said, but "There's this other space in back, and I don't know what to do with it." And I said, "Well, I'll take it." 
And so, and so I partnered with the guy who owns the building, uh, John Blackwell is fantastic, uh, real estate developer and, 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 uh, you know, OG here in town. And, uh, we, we came up with an idea and I general contracted it and I was able to build my dream studio in Nashville. Um, and yeah, I mean, and, and it's fantastic. So I, I, I work out of here full time. This is where Scott and I produce everything. Um, you know, I've, we've got an arsenal of players, a lot of different artists, all different types of, of genres, and that's, this this is it's what it is. It's a lot of fun. It, it 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 sure is, and it looks like an awesome studio and stuff. And maybe sometime we're in Nashville, you guys can show us around. Yeah, of course. So, uh, Scooter, you know, you've had a lot of uh, you know accolades, a lot of you know praise and everything from Rolling Stone to being named, you know. Um, music artists of the year in Colorado and everything music wise. I'm just kind of curious, a lot of great accomplishments. What are you the proudest of? Uh, I, I would say that honestly, the accolades are awesome when they come in. Uh, but I don't, that's not what fills my cup. Um, I think I'm most proud of it that I've been able to, do and keep doing this as my full-time job since 2009 um, that I've been able to push through. I mean, the music business is tough, you know, I mean, and to be able to do this for, um, you know, 12 years as, as my full-time gig uh, to be able to help raise a family. Uh, my wife and I've been together for 17 years and four kids and, um, that's what I'm most proud of is I get to do what I love. I get to call the shots. I get to, to be on my time. Um, and unless he's waiting around on me, unless I'm, I'm, all, I'm always late, unless I'm waiting on this guy. <laughs> they ain't punctual. I say that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean like, you know, I've gotten a handful of awards and, and different, seasons in different places and it, it, I'm so grateful for them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just proud that I've actually, that I've, you always get this, like when you're not at the level of like selling out a stadium, you know, you're not at like a, a Garth Brooks level or, or something. That's what people really see as success in, in music. And we'll always get asked like, so when are you going to make it? I'm like, ah, but I like, I've got six albums out, uh, about to be seven. Yeah. With, I don't know, yeah. 10, 12, 13 singles besides those. I'm like, I've got a wife and four kids that have been able to, like, I've, I've made it. Like, yeah. I, sure. I'm just going to make it bigger. Yeah. I'm just going to keep growing it, but I've made it, you know, and so is Donnie. We get to do what we love. So I would ask Donnie, I'd ask the same question of you. Is there anything that stands out in your career that you're the most proud of? Uh, you know, it's it's hard saying because I'm proud of all of it. Uh, it was really, really, really cool standing on the Lincoln Memorial, uh, you know, with the front men, you know, singing God Bless the USA with Lee Greenwood and the front men. That was fun. Probably, probably, and then I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever done until, uh, you know, I started working with him and uh, – uh, Charlie's manager, David Corlew, comes in and we're sitting in the studio and he's like, hey, we're getting ready to do the volunteer jam, which is Charlie's big, you know, thing every year's birthday thing at uh, Bridgestone Arena. And he's like, do you want to, you know, do you want to play the devil in town of Georgia and the South's going to do it again? And I'm like, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a one legged duck swimming in little tiny circles. Of course I do. But the uh, that's that. I mean, that's probably uh, um, uh, that was that's definitely been one of the pinnacles. But um, I'm I'm honestly really excited about right now i haven't been excited about a project i've you know as a producer you're really a coach so i spend most of my time coaching so i get excited when something works for an artist um but you know i was kind of retired from that and so you know when scott and i started doing this and i told him the other day i said man i've listened to this album 15 times and i keep trying to i keep trying to not like it you know what i mean because i just because i'm trying to find something wrong with it and uh, and I tell you, this is, this is, this is kind of bringing the new level of excitement back into, I think both of our careers and it's it, the shape that it's taking and the moves that it's making at the speed that it's taken off, mm -hmm. um, is really something special. And I'm excited to see what happens. 
That, that's wonderful. So I got I to gotta ask another question, I, and I'm going to tell you a, a bit of a story uh, to kind of explain why I asked this. So my cousin just, uh, she's got a new album coming out. She's got a single. She just did a little preview concert in Cleveland, Ohio, Rooftop. But she was the voice of Care Bears. Uh for the cartoon and you can go get the uh, Care Bear and it's, you know, it's, it's her voice. It's, it's Kayla's voice. It's really cool. Right? <laughs> so my, my grandkids they walk around and they, they have these, uh, the Care Bears and it's really surreal, but she's not, you know, it's always a little awkward for her. So is there anything you guys have done in your career that you, you look back on, you know, maybe you did a track for something or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I'm not sure. I, you know, that's a little weird. Uh, for me, it's every album that I've ever done. Okay. After I'm done with it, and I, a year or two goes by, and I go and listen to something, I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, starting with the very first one to the very last one, because I, you know, I, I don't, I've never cut anything that I didn't believe in at the time. And as far as a like a record, like a record. Is is a is a record of the time and place that you were at when you recorded it, um, and so you're always as a creator, as somebody that's like a brain works as a as somebody that's seeking something different or to to build something different or to to create something different. You look back on old projects and be like, oh, I wish I could just go back and redo that or redo this one or redo that. But I haven't done anything, in my opinion, that I think is like cringeworthy or anything, um, as, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny he says that because that's 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 I think that's the way everybody feels. You look back at, at at I look back at things that I thought I was absolutely killing. I mean, I thought I was just the best. I'm like, why am I not getting Grammys for this? <laughs> and I listen, I listen back, and I'm like, because it sucked. <laughs> but at the time you you just you're just not you're not mature enough to understand you know it's like it's like a little league you know in a little in like a little league baseball player's head he's playing in the majors yeah you know yeah and that's it's kind of like that it's it's the natural growth but i will say i did a couple things with one of my uh, uh um artists i was i was producing uh and she was uh, out in new york she was on uh, on the voice uh worked with several people off the voice um and uh uh, she uh, um, she used to do a lot of voiceovers in uh, in New York City. That's where she's from, she's from Long Island. And so uh, she actually was. She did a lot of the maybe it's Maybelline. She did all those. Right. <laughs> you know, that's her singing that. Uh, wonderfully talented. But she would every once in a while bring me these jingles, and she brought me one, and uh, it was it was cringeworthy. I think it was called because it was it was based off that song because you know it's all about that bass, about that bass, no trip. And uh, it was it was literally a song that said. Because it's all about them spanks, about them spanks, and I was like, what <laughs> "This." And then there was like a Christmas jingle making fun of Bill Cosby about, like, you know, it was oh. just, it's just like some brutal. So I've, 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 I've done some, some kind of advertising work that's been a little brutal in the past for sure. Well, you know, and, and it's all, it all, it all pays the bills and it does exactly what you guys want. You know, allows you to, you know, to be in your profession you're not doing secondary jobs you're not doing all this other stuff you're able to focus your effort on what you love yes so now you know so here this year you guys formed uh you formed as the war hippies correct yeah yep okay and um i'm gonna go back to it in a moment but you guys have a recent release a song called the hangman so you know i think we'd love to play that and go ahead and play that for the audience here real quick yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. So, guys, you know, I, I brought up, you know, the song. I wanted people to uh, hear you, but I got to see you at the Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revive. And uh, we we had a really good time down there, been down there, you know, a few times. As a matter of fact, uh, the company I work for, we've got a shop that's there. We were there during the flood and um, barely got out of that, but... I've got to tell you, I saw you guys live, and you bring it. You absolutely bring it, both of you. I mean, it's a great show. It's it's it had. I think that show there was a lot of there was a lot of good music. If anybody's never been to the revival, uh, Tanya Buck and Carrie really you know put on a great great show there. Uh, but you guys, to me, you were the highlight of the show. So. How did you guys get together? How did this, how did you end up forming as the War Hippies? 
Well, you know, it's it, it's funny at that at that show. I was quite because you know, I mean, we're, it's an acoustic guitar for people that don't know. It's an acoustic guitar, violin, two vocals, and we have some percussion. So when you when you visually hear that or think about that, you're going, man, that sounds kind of soft. Like it sounds like, you know, it's and so that was the first time we'd done a motorcycle rally, and I was a little nervous because I was like, man, are they going to dig this? Like, or do they want freaking screaming guitars? You know, and after we got done, I, I, I said, Donnie, well, what'd you think? He goes, we just played ballads with a guitar and a violin in front of a bunch of motorcycle riders and they loved it. And I was like, <laughs> all right, it works. It works. They were singing along. Like it just was, yeah. you know, it's really cool. Um, but so the war hippies thing. So Donnie had invited me to a studio. Um, I posted something on, on Instagram about supporting, uh, veteran-owned businesses, and it, it, we we'd met before, but we didn't know each other. And he sent me a message saying, "Hey, I'm a combat veteran. I own the studio. Come check it out." So I was like, "Heck yeah, let's do it!" And we just started hanging and and hanging out. And you know, this is kind of during COVID, and so we weren't touring. You know, he wasn't doing a whole lot of producing, and I think that all of us were going stir crazy because we're we were being stifled in like our being able to be creative. And so I, I came to him and I said, um, um, I've got this idea and I know that this term has been around for a while, but it kind of hit me. I was doing a, uh, interview for people magazine. And when they asked me like, well, how do you describe yourself? I said, I don't know. I'm kind of a, like a war hippie. And I don't really okay. know from, and she was like, well, what is a war hippie? And I was like, like, I don't know, like I'm, a, I'm, I'm all about peace and love and I'm, I'm a big into like meditation and grounding and, and natural remedy. I was like, but if somebody tries to take that peace away from me, I'll stick an ax in her face. And she was like, okay, well then I didn't really think anything of it. But when the article came out, it said self-proclaimed war hippie Scooter Brown. And I saw it and I was like, man, there's something about that that just like pops. It, like sure. I just... So I came to Donnie and, and was like, man, I got this idea. I think it'd be really cool to do it as a duo. You know, we're both combat vets. We both bring something completely different to the table. And I think that it could work. And we kind of just threw it up in the air and been taken off like a bat out of hell since. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's been wonderful. I've been telling a lot of people. And when we actually did a wrap-up video from uh, – TMMR, and uh, there was actually a couple of people jumped on there that didn't even make it down there for that, and was commenting, "Oh my gosh, the war hippies were there! I wish I could have seen them. I'd love to see them." Love so it. you're building, you're definitely feel, building a strong fan base out there. Um, so Don, you're actually on the board, aren't you, Donnie, for um, the revival? Yeah, I've been on the board. Um, sheesh, um, since the second year. So um, I did, uh, I think two years, I did a little uh, little thing called the Chopper Jam. We did that. And then um, uh, I took a year off, just kind of ran around and played with everybody. Or I might have done a show with somebody else. I don't know. Jumped up with Tim Montana or something. But, yeah, I've been on the board. I work with, uh, I've been just helping Carrie and Buck and gathering sponsors and making sure the festival goes on and um, uh, facilitating um, just the, the, you know, everything that needs to happen in Nashville. And, uh, you know, making it run. Uh, my, uh, my wife, Christy, uh, has been, um, I mean, my goodness, she works, she's worked on it. I mean, far, far, far more than I ever have. Okay. Um, you know, I just get, I get to, I get to be the relationship guy. She's the details. She's the details person. <laughs> okay. That's, that's awesome. So, and you, you, both of you guys are involved in other organizations. And so, Scooter, you kind of alluded earlier to, you know, the one organization you work with. But tell folks a little bit about that work you do outside of the music world. Yeah, so I think uh, Donnie and I both with War Hippies want to use that platform to try to, you know, uh, aim towards veteran causes and um, veteran organizations. Uh, I, I help. I co-founded an organization called Base Camp 40 Warriors in the wild uh, about 12 years ago. 
Um, it's a 501c3 based out of Grand Junction, Colorado. And we started off with just, it was combat veterans taking them on hunting and fishing trips, um, outdoor excursions. And then it turned into all veterans, not just combat. And then it's turned into gold star families. And now we're starting to kind of branch out to first responders as well. Um, more or less just, it's a, it's a thank you, but it's also for me, I personally feel the most peace when I'm in the woods, when I'm on a river, when I'm on top of a mountain. Um, and that's where I find like my soul to be recharged and healed. And, uh, it's kind of crazy how many, how many guys and girls, like, you know, you go off to war, but they've never hunted before. Like, sure. You know? And so, especially with guys that are amputees or, um, uh, you know, severely injured to, to know that you can go on a mountain and harvest an animal that's going to provide you or and or your family with protein for, you know, the next six months. I mean, that's a awesome accomplishment to know that you, that you can do it. Um, so that's my main organization. That's the one that I've worked with, uh, for the longest. I also have done a lot of stuff with Lone Survivor Foundation, Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. Um, we, Donnie and I, Donnie's introduced me to, um, uh, like the SOTF, um, uh, and, uh, the special ops excursions, mm -hmm. um, that he's been working with for a long time on different stuff. So it's, it's pretty cool to be able to use our platform to, to help. You know, and that's when you talk about those, those things you guys are doing and, and bringing vets together, I mean, um, I don't know if you've ever heard and it's kind of, you know, unique because what you guys do, but there's an organization called Vet Ticks, which is pretty cool because I've gotten tickets for that. We just went and saw Chicago this week and uh, that was on them. Good seats. And uh, you're sitting with other veterans. And so you know, between the bands or you know, the opportunity, you get an opportunity to bond and meet people that are in your community. You don't even realize they're there. Mm -hmm. And so any of these things, you know, people don't understand. We, when we leave the service, you know, we build a level of camaraderie with fellow soldiers. And then when you get out there in the world, you feel like you can't bond. So these things you guys are doing is, is absolutely phenomenal. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, it's just it's just great work. So now I noticed, you know, you guys are getting ready. Uh, you guys are always touring, but you're going to be out there touring on the uh, the Can't Miss tour. Is that isn't that correct? Yep. So tell us, tell us about that tour. That's the, uh, it's the, uh, Camp Miss tour with, uh, Chris Jansen and Travis Tritt, um, starts in October and it runs through November. It's, um, <clears throat> honestly, it was, <laughs> we were, we were a little surprised when we got it because, <laughs> you know, a, a, a tour like that with, uh, um, you know, with, with that much prestige and, and that size. And, and at the time we got the notification that we, uh, had gotten the tour, we hadn't even released a single yet. And so, okay. <laughs> man, these guys are really rolling the dice on us. <laughs> They're like, what are you guys doing over there, man? Like, you guys got this really huge tour, and you don't even have a song out. You got like a thousand followers on Instagram. Like, what is happening over here? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. But we ain't going to turn yeah. it down. Well, he, he said, you know, and, and, and obviously, you know, uh, Scott has a, a real good relationship with Travis, but um, and, and he, he told me, he said, you know, in, in our, our agent, Steve Lassiter, um, <clears throat> you know, and Scott said uh, that he, you know, Steve had been, you know, we've been working on the music, so we have plenty of things that were in mix and on the way to master and stuff like that. So we did have plenty of things to listen to. And, and uh, Travis, you know, told Scott. He said, "You know, I really like I like what I what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing over there." It, it, we 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 he did, and, you know, I'd like to think that we we got it on merit and not on uh, you know anything else. Yeah, I, Tra Travis wouldn't. I mean, it doesn't matter how if he likes you to the moon and back. Like he's not going to put you on if he doesn't on his tour if he doesn't think that the music is is good enough to be on his tour. Um, and so it, it's a definitely a compliment that we are on it to be no matter when we put out music, just the fact that we were handpicked to, to be on the tour um, is, is pretty awesome. And we're going to get to get in front of a lot of people in a short amount of time that we would have not have been able to get in front of. And the thing about war hippies is like, you can hear the music and it's 
different than anything really that's out there. But we are a visual, like once you see it, that's when you really just like, okay, I get these guys. I get what they're doing. And that's what's really pushing us, uh, I think, to that next level. And that's absolutely true. That is absolutely true because I've witnessed that. And you guys, you know, what a what a wonderful show you guys put on. Um, I'm actually going to be out of Sturgis and Travis is going to be playing at the Buffalo Chip. So looking forward to seeing him out there and uh, should be a should be a wonderful show. And, um, we're out there, too. You should. Um, where where yeah, are you guys? At? We, we're playing. Um, we're doing. Uh, so I'm one of my really good friends, Pat Patterson. Owns Let's Let Custom. Um, yeah. I actually, I actually, him and I actually bought the, the, remember the progressive bike that he had for years, been on the cover. That normally sits in the front of my studio. It's on tour with him right now. Um, Okay. But the, uh, um, but we, he's doing a sportster show. They used to do big Kenny's pool party in Deadwood. Yes. Outlaw square. And this year it's the, it's that it's Harley Davidson uh, with uh, the sportster show with Led Sled and uh, war hippies and friends. So we've got our own event and uh, on uh, November 10th or no, August, August 12th, August 12th or no, is it 12th? 10th. 10th. I think I, I, we'll, uh, I'll have, I, we'll let you know. We'll yeah. get together on that because I've, yeah. we've got some people out. We're going to be getting some different footage out there and stuff. I'd love to come out and see you guys. So yeah, we'd we'll, love definitely, to. we'll definitely come out for that. Um, and then, you know, any other big plans outside of the tours and everything else you guys got going on? I think that for right now, um, you know, we're just getting this this album uh, squared away. Um, we, we just got the uh, the the what would it be called? What do you mean for the vinyls? Oh, we got the test. We're my the test my, vinyls. Our uh, uh, my wife and who who helps with management with us. She's literally on her way over to the vinyl lab to pick up our test vinyl so we can listen to the vinyls that are going into print in October. That's very cool. That's we, exciting. Yeah, we have a vinyl album that's coming out. That's actually going to be. It's the way that it was produced is actually going to be a, di- a little bit different than the actual digital CD um that comes out um so it'll be completely different cover the songs even have some different instrumentation on them and then on top of it then we're also putting out the the cd and the digital aspect that'll go on to all your streaming and uh, platforms so we're finishing up all that process and then getting that ready for the tour and then the tour you know is taking up two full months which will take us into the kind of the christmas break I think we're just kind of looking forward to um, taking a little bit of a breather and really getting uh, our game plan together for 2023 to just come out, you know, kicking the doors open and coming out swinging and um, just putting out tons of new music, tons of new video content. Um, and we're just going to, we're going to throw the book at them. Looking forward to it. And so, for anybody that's on here, uh, I know your uh, webpage. You can buy gear. You can see tour dates, everything else. So tell folks where to find that at. Website is uh, warhippies.com. And then we're on you know Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Truth, TikTok, all that stuff. We're, we're on there. Um and uh, obviously, uh, if you're if you do Spotify or Apple, um, we have two releases out now. Uh, the next one's coming out at the end of, of August, and uh, and then the albums will be coming shortly after that. So just keep on keep track of us. Awesome, that's wonderful. So, guys, we we have each show with uh, asking our guests uh, three questions. So we're gonna. We're going to go one, 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 one. All right. Are you guys ready for these questions? Sure. All right. So, Scooter, we'll start with you. Um, first question is, uh, you know, any bike? Uh, no, I take this back. I'm out of order. If um, if you can go ride with anybody, uh, past or present, who would you like to go ride with? Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> My my initial one would be like I'd love to like ride with Jesus and be like, yo, can you tell me some really cool stuff? Yeah. 
And then another one, I'd kind of, I'd, all mine are past. I'd like to go, I'd like to ride with Genghis Khan. Oh, that's cool. That'd be cool. very, very interesting. I like, I like that. So, Donnie, how about you? You've had time to think about this now, so oh, you got to, you got to up him up on uh, a good answer. This is, this is, yeah. Well, I don't know how you top Jesus. We're going to ride with the Jesus Christo. Um, uh, you know, I would, you know, I think it would be fun to probably ride with Elvis. That'd be cool. You know, maybe him and Johnny Cash at the same time. And and we're a whole pack of guys, Jerry Lewis, all of them, just kind of the whole, I got a, I got an answer. The whole cast of all seasons of Tales from the Tour Bus. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. I I like, I I like all of those. Absolutely love all those. So. All right, next question. We'll start with you, Donnie. I mean, if you could own any own any bike, could be in your possession. Uh, what would you like to own? Hmm. That's hard saying. Um, any bike. I don't like a like a really old like shovel head you know or like like i i mean i don't know it's like it's 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 hard saying i mean i've had so many bikes over the years um honestly you know what i what i really wish i could own is the bike my dad sold <laughs> <laughs> um uh uh he had a he had an electric glide that he sold um and i i really wanted to keep it in the family um but so it's, it's hard telling I'm, I'm really i mean i've always had my eye on that uh um that lead sled bike that Pat had, so I got my hands on it. So that's you know, pretty rare. Yeah. And they they built some nice bikes. Yeah, they bring out some beautiful hardware, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. So how about you, Scooter? Um, so this is a two answer for me because my first I would like to do something that is completely that hasn't a bike that hasn't been built yet. That's like that I had a part of creating. And there's not another one on it like it on the planet like that. I want something that's completely and utterly different. With that being said, I'm also an Indian guy. Um, and so any of the old school vintage chiefs, chieftains, um, I'll, I'll just love those bikes. Uh, something something in that era. Um, I think that I would like that on one day. Very cool. Very cool. And then the last question is, and we'll start with you again on this scooter, is if you could go ride anywhere in the world, where would you like to go ride? Oh, man. I'm looking at Donnie. He's thinking about his answer already. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> we've gotten a ride all over this country. Um I mean, I'm a mountain guy, so like I, I think that I'd like to, I'd like to go ride, like the Canadian Rockies, maybe, or like up, do like a long ride up in Alaska. Um, I I need a trail vehicle just to be able to fuel it up, but uh, <laughs> right, maybe something like that. I I just love the wide open spaces, and I love. I love mountains, so like I'm just to have that all around you in open air. Uh, and I've never been to the Canadian Rockies, so uh, uh, that's my that's my choice. I love that. First time we've had that, but that's a that is actually a really good answer, and that's some place I haven't even really thought about. Some place I'd like to go right as well. So, Donnie, how about you? <sighs> um. I don't, you know what I would, where I've never, where I've never ridden, I think would be like completely awesome would be to ride like the entire Mediterranean kind of along that shoreline, like all, all of, all of, you know, uh, like Italy and Greece, like like, it, like Italy and Greece, like go, you know, get, get in, you know, like Naples and go up through, you know, um, uh, up through, up past Pompeii and, and ride on the, the Amalfi coast and all that. I've never ridden over there. Yeah. Yeah, I was stationed in Vicenza, Italy for a while, and that, you know, riding Italy and the coast, is it's beautiful. Or going up in the Lake Garda and Como, up in that area in the mountains, you know, that's just that's just gorgeous country up there. So yeah. that's a good answer. I love that answer. So, guys, 
I'm telling you what, you know, when I appreciate you coming on here, but more more than anything, I appreciate your music and I appreciate the human beings that you are because you guys are stand up gentlemen. And I know I personally, you know, want to see you guys achieve all the success that you're hoping to achieve. But I think you've achieved wonderful things already. And I appreciate you coming on and being a part of this. And I hope that and we get to uh, introduce you to some people maybe haven't heard you guys before. So thank you for coming on. Awesome. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having us on your platform and helping us spread the word, man. We appreciate it greatly. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. You have a good evening. All right. All right. Do the same. Thank you. All right.